Look in your Bible, please. Brethren, the Bible says brethren. My heart's desire and prayer to God, to Israel, is that they might be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. The definition of lost is being ignorant of God's righteousness. The efforts of the lost is going about trying to establish their own righteousness. The rebellion of the lost is not submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now down, if you would please, to verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It don't say you are saved. It says you can be saved if you believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Our Father, today I pray that you'd help us in these very short moments that we not beleaguer the point, but we be very active and very pointed in pointing out the need of the gospel in America, in Joshua, and into all the world. Help us, Lord, today as we concentrate upon your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I believe that with all of my heart, God has put the church, the local church, this church on the earth for a specific purpose. I believe that we need to look about us to see that the ignorance that is a 
abounding concerning what the church is to do. I found a, a, a scripture uh, about 50 years ago. And Jesus said, all power or authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And he's talking to the only church in existence. He's specifically addressing the church and its purpose. And he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. And I wonder for years now why he said go and teach all nations instead of go and win all nations. He said teach all nations because all nations are ignorant of God's righteousness. Most folk think they're pretty good in their own right. But that just goes to show you our ignorance of God's righteousness. So it is behooves us as a church to go find a bunch of ignorant folk, which means not stupid, but uninformed, uneducated, or uninstructed in the Bible. And you and I as a church, you and I as individuals, are commissioned by God to go and, and dispel the ignorance that abounds America and the world concerning his righteousness. What does it mean when the Bible says that men are lost? It merely means they are ignorant of the way back to the house. They're lost. They have no idea how to get back into a relationship with God. They have no idea they even need a relationship with God. And so it behooves us who know to go show and tell those who do not know who are ignorant of God's righteousness going about establishing their own righteousness through the works of the law, through the works of their hands, through the good deeds of their life, and on and on and on, which leads only to a place called hell. And we sit in our beautiful buildings and we sing our songs of worship. We dress to please the saints, maybe lost folk aren't the only folk who are ignorant. A few years ago, a vice president of the United States was running for president. His name was Al Gore. He was running against George W. Bush and Brother Bush was not ashamed that he was a man of faith, a man that had received Christ, loved the Bible, believed in church, believed in prayer, and America caught on to that deal, and Al Gore noticed that it was a popular thing to be a man of faith. 
So in a speech, he went out and tried to explain his faith and how much he loved God and his speech writers made a mistake and he was going to say that his favorite verse in all the Bible is John 3, 16. Well, his speech writers were more ignorant about the Bible than he was and they made a mistake and put down John 16, 3. There is a little difference because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John 16.3 said, And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. <laughs> there is a vast amount of ignorance in politics. Two blondes were on their way to Disneyland, Disney World. They made their way all the way across the country and got into Florida and pretty close to Disneyland and they noticed that a sign says Disneyland left. So they turned around and went back home. Don't say you didn't learn anything by coming today. But it's a sad thing to say today that politics and blondes are not the only one who are ignorant. Many times Paul said, I wish you folk were not so ignorant. He said in Romans 1.13 concerning Paul's intentions, I would to God you were not so ignorant. Concerning God's righteousness in Romans 10, he said, being ignorant of God's righteousness. Concerning Israel's testimony to the world in 1 Corinthians, he said, I would you were not ignorant. Concerning the rapture, John in 1 Corinthians 15, I would that you were not ignorant. It does not mean stupid, illiterate. It means just uninformed. And while we sing our songs and sit in our beautiful buildings and brag about our financial situation, are we ignorant that other folks are ignorant of the righteousness of God. They're bowing down to rocks and stones and idols, the workplace, materialism. I wonder if it's not a sad day As we celebrate our Lord's resurrection, but tell no one about it. You say, preacher, it's not my job. You see, staring worship music may get a crowd, but staring 
Gospel music don't save people. Praise teams and music of the world does not save. The gospel saves. Jesus saves. A fellow by the name of Green wrote a song entitled, People Need the Lord. And I wonder today if maybe is it possible that we can have all the bills paid and money in the bank and the air conditioning working and everything's all right and have our buildings and have our programs and have all of this going on and still be a flat failure in the, fight, in the sight of God. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make you angry today, but I'd kind of like to move you back to a place of tears, Amen. a place of compassion move out of a place of complacency, get out of our little comfort zone and do what a man did some 52 years ago when he knocked on my door. And I didn't want him at my door. I wanted him somebody else's door. See, I was all right with all my sin, hell raising, drinking, and conniving. I was all right. I'd like to move us out of this religiosity back into real bona fide Bible Christianity. We've lost our tear. We've lost our passion. We've become comfortable with our air-conditioned buses, with our multi-million dollar plants, with our big day offering of $130,000 cash. Jesus didn't die for our cash. He died for our soul. Jesus didn't die for our buses. He died for the little kids that's riding our buses. He's riding for those who, like that guy preached Wednesday night, didn't James do a good job? Oh, that's a bus kid on his way to Japan. I bet the folks are here that picked James up the very first time. I'd just like to talk to you today for just a minute. And I may not preach, but you know, after 32 years, I think I can do what I want to do. I wonder today, is it possible that you and I could be a failure? coming to church every Sunday morning. Jesus said, I know thy works. I know thy works. You have to name that you're rich, but you're poor. I would to God you were hot or cold, but you're neither hot nor cold. Therefore, I will spew you out of my mouth. I don't want to bow my head and hear God say, you make me sick. Behold, he said, I stand at the door and knock. Christian, that's your heart's door. He's knocking on. 
your coldness and your complacency is making the Lord nausea, if you please. And I don't want to be of that sort. If I bow my knee that my cold, my heart is so cold and my my experiences are so shallow that God says, get up, you need to do something before you bow. Is there anybody here today listening? Uh, I'd like to read you something else and uh, you've probably heard it before, but I'll read it to you again. Some of you ladies, you keep notes and you write in your Bible Preacher, preach that sermon, 1942. Noah was leading singing for him when he preached that verse. Well, could I please tell you after 32 years, I might touch on the same scripture once in a while. Here's one of them. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Please notice the word lost. Luke 15, lost. I don't even like saying the word lost. Lost. Don't even sound good, does it? Lost. You ever asked anybody about the lost? Said, no, I'm right here. Fellow walked up to a farmer one day and said, say, are you lost? He said, no, sir. I've been living here for 50 years. No, no, he said, are you a Christian family? Are you in the Christian family? I said, no, no, they're next door down. The guy looked at him and said, no. I mean, are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready for, are you ready uh, for the day you die? Are you ready for the day, uh, the day of the Lord? He said, no, I'm really not, but my wife would like to go when you find out when it's going to take place. You know anybody likes to beat around the bush about being lost? Amen. You know what lost is? Lost is you are ignorant of what God demands. It means you're ignorant, uninformed, uneducated, untaught in the righteousness of God. And Paul said, for that reason, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might get this thing straightened out. They're lost. Notice I read for you a little bit more and uh, I know what time it is, so please don't hold your watch up and start shaking them at me. And he went after it, that which was lost, until he found it. And when he had found it, it layeth on his shoulders and rejoiceth. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
And I say unto you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Lost. Have you thought about that? Lost. Ignorant of God's righteousness. Lost. You see, the world don't care how much you know until he realizes how much you care. The the world drives by our church some 50,000 cars every day. 50,000 cars plus every day right in front of our church. They look at our building and I don't think it impresses them a bit. I think what impresses folks is how much we care, not how much we own. Do we care anymore? You you know, I I just believe we need to locate the lost. How many doors have we knocked? In two weeks? We've knocked over 1,500 doors with five opportunities. 1,500 doors. And we know how to spell glory. Glory. 1,500 doors. Three weeks completed. Five outreach opportunities. 76 1,592 doors. People invited to our church. You know how many more doors there are around here? They're just everywhere. You say, well, preacher, that's not how you reach people anymore. Well, how are you reaching them? And sitting and watching Fox News, what's that doing for your heart in regards to the Lord? And how much do you grow in grace sitting at the house watching somebody else knock on doors? The lost must be located. I read one time that Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon and you remember what he did? And he brought him to Jesus. The loss has got to be located, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And another occasion, Matthew 18, he took a little bitty kid, he sat down and he put the kid in his lap, an infant, and he said, listen, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That's grace. That kid has not reached the age of accountability. That kid has not wallowed around in the miry depths of sin. And Jesus took the little kid and put him in his lap and told the disciples, the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. But walking one day down the road, he saw a sinner up in a tree by the name of Nicodemus, a guy that was crooked as a dog's hind leg. And he said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Sin's a lot of fun. They're not coming on their own. We got the best looking building in town. Look at all the seats, it's empty. Amen. We got the ugliest, I mean the best looking song leader in town and they ain't coming to hear him sing. We got the red-headedest pastor you've ever seen and they're not coming to see if his head's on fire. They're not coming. They're lost. 
They're wondering. They're seeking everything in the world to try to fulfill that which only God can fulfill. And they must be sought, ladies and gentlemen. We must find them. We must go after them. We must seek them. We must love them. We must do it before they die a Christless death. We must locate the lost. We must learn about the lost. Think about it. When I do a funeral, and and I don't like doing a lot of funerals, kind of dead, ask me. And if I ever preach one and the guy says amen, that's the last one I'm ever going to preach. I always ask the family, was so-and-so a Christian were they saved? Most of them said, I don't know. Say what? You're Christian? And you don't know if a family member is saved or not? Say what? Well, it's not my responsibility. Whose is it? Well, I don't know what to say. You know what to say about everything else in the world. In fact, you know what to say about things you don't even know anything about. So you get in there soul winning without any problem. In dealing with the lost, listen to me, you need to know their names. You, you need to know their families. You need to know their family issues. You need to know their concerns. You need to know their needs. You need to know their wants. You need to build relationships so that you one day might be able to say, and they have confidence in what you're saying. If you died today, do you know if you spend eternity in heaven? Are you listening to me? Oh, you say, preacher, we have such a good church. Yes, we do. But we need to learn about the lost, those who are wondering. We don't need to judge them. We need to learn about them. We need to locate them. We need to love them. All those many years in evangelism, and most preachers, when I got to the church, they just give me a list about that long of names. And they say, preacher, we've been saving these for you for a year. They've already run every church member in the world out of their house. They hate God, hate the church, and hate you. Go see them while you're here this week. You say, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I can tell you a list of folks that I visited across this country. One comes to mind as they sit way back on the back row of a church and I preached seven nights down in Pensacola, Florida. He sat way back in the back and every night when I gave him to he raised his hand he would. But he'd never come forward. Next to the last night I 
made my way down the aisle while everybody was bowed, their heads and eyes were closed. I made my way back and put my arm around his shoulder and I said, sir, won't you accept Christ tonight? And he looked with tears streaming down his cheeks and said, no, sir, not tonight. But preacher, you're the first man in all my life that cared whether I went to hell or not. There's a man here today who cared whether I went to hell or not. It wasn't in a church service. It wasn't in a revival meeting. It was in my living room where the soul winner's New Testament opened. Gene, the Bible said there's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's not get comfortable and complacent and let the lost perish without any hope at all. Let's locate them. Let's learn about them. Let's love them. And I close with lifting them up. There's something happens when God's people begin to pray. Paul said, my heart's desire to God for Israel. It's my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. Prayer does things. Amen. First Timothy says, I exhort therefore first of all that supplications and prayers and intercessions given thanks be made for all men. There was a time when parents stood at a church altar prayed that their kids might be saved. And there was a time when people gathered at the altar and prayed for family members that needed the Lord. I can remember times Central Park Baptist Church first or second pew. Somebody sitting beside me or behind me or in front of me that I had invited. And while the preacher preached, I prayed the entire time with tears. Dear God, save this guy. Save this family. Wasn't too concerned about the time. That before the cowboys ever become cowgirls. Before the Mavericks, they found out they really were. It was all about the Lord, people being saved. Huh? It was a time 
Mountain Baptist folk came to church with tears in their eyes and a burden on their heart. For somebody they had located and they loved. Hmm? And they've been lifting up all week. Now don't get mad at me because you'll just have to get glad. Some strange things begin to happen. You know, if we started lifting the lost up and God might give us back our burden. Dr. Hiles said years ago, don't wait for a burden to go. As you go, you'll get a burden. Go with some of our bus workers into the homes. The little kids with no shoes, little kids with nothing to eat, little kids with no clothes. With either a father or a mother. As you go, you'll get a burden. But sitting where you are, you'll not get anything except angry. Well, it's not my place. I'm sure glad Brother Williams didn't think that 50-some years ago. Because sure Saturday rolled around. If I hadn't got saved on Thursday, I'd been in Oklahoma Saturday night. But Daddy don't go there anymore. Thanks to Calvary. We don't live there anymore. If we start lifting folks up, God might give us our tear back. If we start lifting folks up in the Lord and in prayer, God may give us our love back. I'm done. You say, not really, yeah. Love is a wonderful thing. It reaches out to those who are in need. Amen. You say, preacher, I, I, don't, I don't know anybody that's lost. Let me give you a suggestion. Just find somebody that's breathing. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hmm? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. We're not interested in building a church. We're interested in getting people born again. On our way to heaven, teaching them to do the same thing for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you came. And I'm glad you didn't leave before I got through. Remember what I told you last week? Mercedes-Benz has the world's best energy-absorbing body in their automobile. It is so far advanced that now every automobile industry in the world is copying 
Mercedes-Benz energy-absorbing body. And someone has asked Mercedes-Benz, why don't you hold fast to your patent and forbid everybody else from copying you? And you know what their response was? Because some things in this life are too important not to share. And there's something in this thing called the gospel that's too important not to share. Would you be one who would start sharing the gospel because they're ignorant of God's righteousness.